You're listening to Agency Highway. This is a podcast for agencies that want to grow their business and work less. Agency Highway is sponsored by Content Snare, a platform that helps digital agencies gather content from clients without digging through a storm of emails, huge attachments, and messy Google Docs. Sign up at contentsnare.com and use the chat widget to say you heard about Content Snare on Agency Highway, and you'll get a 30-day trial instead of the typical 14. Now, here's this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 124 with Tim Hill from Social Status. Tim, great to have you on the show. Thanks, mate. Yeah, really good to chat with you. It's pretty rare that I get to have someone on that I've met uh, in the physical world <laughs> because, yes. you know, the way the, way the internet, uh, the way, I guess, business is now, online business, I feel like I'm talking with people from all different countries and whatever. And then when we uh, connected, it turned out that you work at a co-working space, uh, about a three-minute uh, electric skateboard from where I worked in a co-working space. So we caught up recently and, and had a little chat. So that was nice. <laughs> it was very nice. How random too. Like I thought when I found Contents Now, I thought you guys were in the States. And then I'm like, oh, Brisbane. Hold yeah. on, Fortitude Valley. <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah, cool. awesome. Yeah, it's and it, I mean I feel like it's just so nice to get out to like it's it's I guess without going too far off topic here but like everyone is sort of talking about virtual meetings and that kind of thing now and um I hope people don't get stuck in that sort of phase yeah. where it's where they're only doing virtual meetings because I think there's a lot to be said for you know once everything goes back to normal um here in Australia for people listening and going judging us for like having in-person meetings we've had like no cases for over a month now so at least in our state so um yeah we're not too worried here but you know when things go back to normal everywhere I would hope people start getting into more actual meetings and that because there's something to be said for like uh in-person connections and meetings yeah me too yeah yeah anyway Tim Let's start with a little bit of an introduction about you. I know uh, you uh, have founded a tool called Social Status, which is all about uh, social media reporting for agencies, which is, you know, when we are doing work for clients, reporting is pretty damn important um, so they actually know what we've been up to. So, yeah, let's start with a little bit of an intro about uh, you and and how you got into this space. Yeah, um, I kind of fell into it, actually. I mean, tracking back what I always wanted to do, uh, as a kid was I wanted to be a filmmaker so I wanted to like you know run off to Hollywood and make movies but <laughs> then you realize after studying I studied uh, film and TV you kind of realize how small the industry is in Australia and it's just quite quite hard to to kind of get in <laughs> all these you know film and TV grads are, are you know graduating out of uni and then realizing that there's not much of an industry but anyway that kind of you know led me down uh, the track of TV I, I worked for uh, Channel 10 here for a while and then made that transition over into agencies. So I spent about eight years in all various agencies, like working for lo- lots of different types of clients, like um, small businesses initially and then government. I worked for an agency that was just servicing government, federal, state departments, um, even even at the time, good old K-Rudd, our, our previous <laughs> prime minister, so, you know, there was- I was going to ask about that. Like I saw that in your, I uh, can't remember where I saw it, but that you'd done work for K Rudd. For people uh, listening overseas, that's uh, one of our, I guess I'd say more iconic prime ministers, just because he had like that nickname K Rudd and had silly slogans like Kevin 07. 
<laughs> Wasn't it great? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was that really stood out to me. It's like, wow. Okay. So so that you worked in K Rod with K Rod through an agency that served government. That exactly right. So yeah, basically, you know, quasi kind of consulting versus um, actual kind of service work churning out strategy documents and plans. Um, my roles in, in social were always like social media strategist or digital strategist. So, um, you know, while I was on the tools and, you know, um, I would I would dabble in creating content and the reporting side, I was much more on the kind of planning side. Like I sat, sat in the planning team. Um, but I always had the problem of like trying to make sense of the, the metrics and the numbers. Like when you're talking with clients, it's really hard when you say, oh, you know, we've, we're, we're seeing kind of a growth rate of 3%, engagement rate of 1.5%. It's like, is that good or bad? Like, it's really hard to tell. Mm. So I, I always found it challenging to put context around numbers. And so that's what ultimately kind of led me down the path of, you know, analytics and ultimately, yeah, co-founding social status with this premise of, just trying to put better context around social metrics to help marketers do better on social. Nice. So something I would like to start with, I totally appreciate how important metrics are. I've got this in my mind constantly that I need to have some kind of reporting with it. Like when I wake up every day uh, and yes. I, I want to like see uh, important numbers. So I totally appreciate that. Although we were just talking offline earlier about how much I don't want to see our revenue growth because revenue growth is almost directly plottable against my uh, happiness levels. <laughs> it's like yes, <laughs> where where flat growth is actually negative happiness, and yes. yeah, it's just ridiculous. It's it's something we sh- I should not be checking very often. Um, but uh, I want to start just by talking about organic reach on social media because I imagine there are other people listening to this that are like me that are quite jaded with social media and especially the organic side of things. Everyone knows that Facebook's been just killing organic, uh, organic reach. Um, you know, and I, this LinkedIn seems to be okay. Like it's, it's interesting. I, uh, just anecdotally, I share a lot of stuff on LinkedIn and don't really think much about it. But then yeah. I speak to people who are like, Oh, like I see you did this, 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 and this, and they all know yeah. about it from LinkedIn, even though there was like very little engagement. Yeah. So that is, it can, I don't know. Social media is really confusing to me, especially like, like stories, for example, I use stories a lot and everyone yeah. seems to know what I've been up to from stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I guess that's, what's your opinion on social media, organic reach and how it is for businesses? Yeah, it's a hot topic, hey. Mm. Uh, I think it's really different per channel. This is the other really tricky thing is like organic reach as kind of like a concept um, really ch- kind of changes when you talk about channels. It's like, a, as you were saying, you know, I think a lot of marketers really just generally have been seeing organic reach decline. That's just kind of a... Uh, you know, a very, probably taking quite a bit of a Facebook-centric view on that. Yeah. But I think as you start to explore other channels, you know, Instagram, uh, LinkedIn, as you as you mentioned, um, there are still actually quite good pro- uh, opportunities for organic reach out there. You know, when we look at, across our um, platform, so marketers connected their social uh, channels to social status. So we can see aggregates of like, you know, um, performance per channel. And it is quite different, but it is also the case that there is still really good pockets of organic reach possible. So there's this kind of theory that like Facebook 
almost put a ceiling on organic reach and you can't break through a certain number. We've been saying that that's not necessarily the case. So even for larger pages that say, oh, you know, we only get like, you know, under under 5% organic reach and stuff like that. Uh, it is actually possible. We've seen pages that, that can get 10, 20, 30, 40% organic reach. And it's really like, it just comes back to that whole kind of what powers virality. Like if you've got people ultimately sharing posts, uh, commenting, tagging friends, if they're also taking actions, like what we've been seeing recently is photo views. So on Facebook, when someone taps a photo and it kind of enlarges on the screen, that is a, like just one of many, many signals that says to Facebook, oh, there's something interesting about this post and it will push it out further. So uh, yeah, I think what I would say just broadly is like, uh, don't give up on organic reach, uh, assess out of all of the posts that are being published, what what are the posts that actually have a higher organic reach rate versus the lower ones? Uh, and then look at just all of the actions around that, because you might find that, you know, for, for some people it's photo views, for some people it's video views. So video just seems to be performing quite well for a lot of people. Uh, stories, as you mentioned, or even reels, like these newer media form, media types or media formats, like they tend to be really good at the start. So like yeah. piling on early, uh, if you could still say that stories is, is you know, a, a young format, but piling on early and kind of utilizing them, uh, yeah, there's some great opportunities there too. Yeah, well, I think the new one with Instagram is, is Reels. Is Reels. It? It's like longer stories. I see those being mm. shown to me all the time, you know. Yes. Um, even when it's crap that I don't want to watch. <laughs> so they definitely do seem to push those new formats. Uh, like Facebook, when video first became a thing on Facebook, you know, it was like, just magic to put videos on because yeah, I wanted to show it. it to everyone. Same yeah. deal, same deal with LinkedIn, uh, brought yes. in video, video you know, yeah. and, and I know people still doing well with video on LinkedIn. Um, you know, and I've seen watch been watching this guy just grow, um, killer, um, Instagram channel lately, you know, all organic, um, posting like carousels, kind of like bite size content, you know, where instead of, writing a blog post to write like a carousel that's called design a carousel that's got like six or seven tidbits of information that people can scroll through and yeah. i guess like you said when people scroll it just counts as engagement because i'm just watching the engagements on these mm-hmm. these posts just explode and like wow. it's really interesting to me because i noticed that pretty much all the content is just like other people's nuggets of wisdom rebuilt into like carousels it's not like yes. he's not like doing a thought leadership thing he's literally just yes. making pretty versions of other people's content that's um, it yeah. and killing it like i yeah. think i've just watched it grow to like 160 follow 160 followers in like a year and a bit like wow okay yeah it's it's nuts yeah. and every, and but it's not like oh fake followers it's like they're all getting hundreds of comments like three to four hundred comments yeah um that are like real you know because yeah. i was like oh this can't be real but i've like looked through it i'm like these are all real people commenting and stuff i'm like this is nuts um but i also know that a yeah. lot of effort went into that like he spends like half the day on instagram sort of thing so yeah i guess this is hard to balance right like what how what are you seeing people do you know because we can't all be everywhere mm-hmm. are you seeing most people focus on like one two channels 
Yeah, I think picking your battles, like if you were to say, you know, which which core channels do you get the most value out of? Yeah, that's certainly a trend. I mean, there is that sense of like dabbling and try, trying a lot of different things. Like I always tell, tell marketers to just have this kind of experimental approach and kind of tr- just keep trying um, because, you know, what what worked, you know, last month may not work this month. And that, mm. that kind of theory that just like performance is always changing. But yes, Generally, people, uh, you know, marketers are uh, focusing on a few core channels. And like you were saying, they're curating, they're remixing content like that, that ability to just create, create something once, but then spin out so many different kind of variations of it. The carousels is a great example on Instagram, but also like on, on Twitter, the threads, like putting together these kind of like long, well thought out pieces, which at the same time kind of goes against everything that we've been told, uh, you know, about how social works, which is keep it short, you know, it's all yeah. about brevity, like it's got to be short. But actually, you know, these really longer, longer form pieces that you could say, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple tweets or like long Facebook posts, like three, four, five paragraphs. Mm. It's weird. Some of, Sometimes they're actually working really well. And I think it's the kind of thing that you won't really know uh, unless you give it a go. And just yeah. kind of to see see how does it perform versus like a single sentence with an emoji. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, I could totally back like see that threads work really well. I know friends and like I'm getting back into Twitter this year, and I'm seeing I'm a sucker for threads. Like I keep reading them. I, I saw a post once where someone had screenshotted the fact that they added the word thread to their mute words on Twitter. So on Twitter, you can just block yes. like, any tweet that has a certain word in <laughs> no it. No more threads. <laughs> yeah, so you could just put like Donald Trump or whatever, and you just don't see any of that. You see like block all politics related stuff, whatever. Yes. Um, but yeah, they blocked the word thread. I thought that was amazing just because they end up in these like, like reading through so many threads. Cause I see that I'm like, Oh, this, like it's a thread. It's one of however many I want to go through and like learn something. Cause I know I'm going to learn generally something from a thread. So yeah, I can totally see the value value in threads. Now, how do you know what kind of content to start? Like, because I, I believe um, social status does mm. competitor analysis. No? It does. Yeah. So, so what information are you able to glean from competitors that could help you out? There's probably a few key things. Uh, I would always, the number one thing I would always bring this back to is just what a competitors publishing that seem to be resonating. So can I just quickly break in here? Just one thing Mm -hmm. I forgot to mention for the listeners when they're listening to this, I'm not talking about just social media for yourself, for your agency. I'm talking about this is stuff you can do for your clients, right? Like if you actually want to offer social media as a, as a thing, it's luckily, it's one of those things that's going to work for both the agency and the clients, but exactly. Sorry. Yeah. As you were saying, the the competitor (laughs) stuff. No, good. Um, yeah. So I think the, the one thing you want to understand from competitors is what is it that they're publishing that's actually getting good engagement. So I kind of think of it as like a finger on the pulse of like, what's working because ultimately competitors are going to have lots of different types of content and some of it is going to fall flat and then some of it is going to go well. So if uh, from a competitive standpoint, by just starting out and doing like a bit of research to look at uh, here's the lay of the land, show me the last 90 days, what have all these competitors published? Looking at that again um, with the lens of theme, like content theme is a really good one, especially for agencies because they're always, 
generally putting plans together for clients where they're talking about here are the different content themes or content pillars, I guess, the other thing here. Uh, like what when competitors are, are publishing across these different themes, then what is the resulting engagement rate? And I think that starting from that point, like even if I was completely cold to an industry, like say if I'm at an agency and I, I got to work for a client in like insurance, like I don't know anything about the insurance world, but let me just like load up all the other insurance competitors and see what they're all posting about and go, ah, oh, right. So there's these little pockets of opportunities, mm. um, just like any kind of digital marketing approach where you are looking at what's working out there already and then deciding, do you then go after that? Or do you say, okay, that space is like inhabited by these guys, we're gonna do something a bit different, that kind of thing. Yeah. Fair enough. So what kind of metrics can you actually get like of competitors things? Is it just like likes and, and comments? Like I imagine you wouldn't be able to get competitors views or engagements. Does Facebook make that available? Do any of the platforms make that available? Yeah, it's limited to it's limited to the the public interaction. So on fa- it, it differs per channel, but on Facebook, that would be likes, comments, shares, uh, any of those kinds of public metrics on the other channels on, on Instagram, likes and comments. Um, views is possible with YouTube only, um, mm. but then you've got also likes, comments, shares on YouTube. Uh, the, all the all the metrics that aren't possible competitively are things like video views, reach, impressions, link clicks, yeah. that kind of it's thing. It's unfortunate, yeah, yeah. They don't they don't show show that information. But I mean, at the same time, if I was a business, I wouldn't want that available. You know, I want <laughs> exactly. I, I want to be able to see that and not have other people see it. So yeah. So once you come up with some ideas, I, re- I really like that idea around like seeing what themes are working um, yes. in, in an industry because because you can use that to make decisions, right? Like whether you that's a channel exactly. you want to go with or like you said, uh, or the, you want to try something different. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, the other the other really interesting use case for this sometimes is like, um, you know, I, I talk to marketers who are in what, what you know, using their words, like risk averse industries or like bosses or clients that don't believe in in taking a certain approach that say the social manager wants to wants to kind of spearhead and so a lot of the times i've heard of competitor analytics being used to almost like mount a business case to say this is already like oh you're concerned about x topic well it's already out there and this is what they're already saying about it and Mm -hmm. here's the resulting kind of performance of that so sometimes not just kind of like from an optimization and uh planning sense but also from like just a pure business case sense sometimes those things can be or competitor insights can be used to help mount the case or even mount the case for like extra resource like you know there's all this great content there if we're just doing this then we're going to need more resource to you know create more richer media or longer form copy that kind of thing yeah to actually compete in in that environment yeah. yeah totally so do you get any data like do you have any insights into what kind of industries are working well on social yeah just anecdotally uh, you know you, you we kind of see some some top performers and and the kinds of similar themes or kind of industries that come up i mean definitely the the individual influences you generally come up to the top of the pile when you're just looking at complete kind of total engagement across we've got kind of um, a few hundred thousand profiles connected into the system. Um, but there are other pockets. So um, in, again, individual profiles who are politicians, um, hmm. sporting teams always 
just kind of generally kind of get a lot of engagement. Um, some organizations as well, like particularly in the not-for-profit or kind of cause-based organizations, mm -hmm. you see lots of re like really big spikes, sometimes just at the post level, like a big massive spike and then kind of like nothing else. Um, you know, cer certain, certain retailers do and, and kind of like, you know, more consumer brands do, do very well. Um, which also kind of looks seasonal, seasonally affected. Um, I, I actually think that sometimes, you know, marketers may feel like they're in a boring industry or hmm. like it's like sometimes it, it almost feels like, well, it's really hard to create engaging content about X industry. But actually when you look at, um, you know, performing content that gets a lot of engagement on social, it's not necessarily like the flashiest. It's more about does the message land? Like sometimes even if it's just a single single sentence or like a photo, sometimes this thought of it being needing it needing to be produced and polished and so well created, like that content's great, but sometimes it's actually like the simple stuff that mm -hmm. lands. And a lot of the time, it's actually just having more of a human tone of voice. Yeah. Uh, you know, an organization, hard for sometimes for an organization who's represented by like a brand, a logo, and is quite faceless. But if you just inject a bit of kind of human personality and or kind of human traits into the way they communicate, uh, yeah, you tend to see that actually make quite a difference. Um, I'm, the brand I'm thinking of is MTV on Twitter recently, just went sentient and started going first person and just <laughs> yeah. went kind of like, you know, I think this and this and, and like talking as if they're a person. And like, it just, it, it makes you kind of like, you know, sit back for a moment and just go, wow, this is uh, like, it shouldn't be surprising, but it is surprising. Yeah. Um, and I think that the more that organizations can try to just emulate how humans speak, I think the better, because like suddenly like the, your inbuilt kind of ad, ad blocker comes down and it doesn't feel like it's, <laughs> it's a, you, you know, you're trying to push something on me. <laughs> yeah, I can see that, you know, I, I wrestle with it because it, I feel like saying things like I, whatever, talking in first person makes yeah. us seem small, you know, and, but it's like, well, no, it's actually more personal as well. So I've, I've tried to start, yeah. I've started trying to do that uh, yeah. as well when, when I answer things on, on social as the brand, at least. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk about actually creating, like, when agencies are doing campaigns for clients, what should they be measuring? Like, how do they, and what do they report to clients? Do you manage WordPress sites for your clients? If so, you should probably check out WP Remote. It's a central platform to manage all of your sites in one place. That includes security, malware, uptime monitoring, and it's even got a built-in staging system. But my favorite feature is the visual regression system that will give you an alert if something breaks on an update so you can get in there and fix it. It was created by the same people behind BlogVault and Melcare. Now, BlogVault is one of the best backup plugins I've used, and it's also trusted by some of the biggest WP maintenance agencies out there like GoWP, WP Buffs, WP Valet. So if these guys rely on it, you know it's rock solid. You can try WP Remote for free and get 10% off any of the paid offerings by going to wpremote.com slash highway. Now let's get back to the show. Um, well, basically, 
uh, with social, you've got the opportunity to measure full funnel. So I think, you know, some some marketers think, oh no, that's really only e-commerce because they've got an online conversion point with a sale, and then, you know, dollars or kind of like currency that's been that's been um, mm. you know collected. That's not the case. Like I actually think that any any brand can get to a conversion point, um, whether that's a sign up or you know a subscription, whatever, um, a key page view. That kind of thing. So I think. Well, yeah, you can uh, you could set up an event for a contact form submission. Exactly. You know, exactly. That's, that's all it is. And exactly. And I don't know if people listening know this. I know some will, but um, in Google Analytics, you can actually assign a value to pretty much any event. You could that's say right. if someone hits this page, um, or if someone submits a contact form, this uh, event has a value of five dollars, whatever it is, yeah. um, which enables you to do really cool things. Like um, you know, obviously you can see where the best input channels are, but you can also do things yeah. like um, this is totally off topic, but super cool is page value. So what what this enables you to do? So if someone submits a contact form and the value is $5 and they went through the homepage, the services page, uh, your portfolio, and then submitted a contact form, it will assign a portion of that $5 to those different pages in value. So the pages they went through. So you can see which uh, pages are, I guess, more valuable in getting people to that conversion. I love that. Uh, I yeah. really love the page value yeah, metric same. in Google same. Analytics. Yeah. So, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> no, totally. it's it's an important point. I mean, like some some marketers will, will say, okay, well, like the typical one, restaurant. Okay, so booking, like making a booking for a mm. table, and then they will um, say, all right, well, then what's the value? Well, you know, that's hard to know. So why don't we just take the average? Like, what's yeah. the average? Totally fine. Apply it and then off you go. So so that's the thing. Like with social, all of these values can be pushed not only into to GA, like you mentioned, but into Facebook, into LinkedIn, mm-hmm. like every channel, right? So they've got that concept of value. So um, the next step, I think, for agencies is to then work out with the client, well, are we are we going to, uh, you know, create a content strategy that's going to work full funnel from, uh, you know, content that works great for reaching people all the way through to conversion? Or are we actually going to kind of pinpoint parts of the funnel? Because that's the beauty of social is that you can, you can literally say, all right, this is an engagement campaign. So we're going to assess this based on the engagement rate. Uh, and if everyone agrees to that, then there should never be a question later on about like, oh, you know, this campaign only got, you know, a hundred clicks to the site. Like that should never be a question because this was all decided as an engagement campaign or vice versa, a traffic campaign should n- never be assessed on engagement metrics if it was all about using social to drive traffic. So I think that that disconnect, like back when I was in agencies, that's actually the one thing that I, I felt uh, just was perennial. It was like time and time again, you're, you're almost with every report, you're almost like kind of like educating and, and, and just reminding everyone, hey, this was the objective, like we agreed on these things. That doesn't mean we can't do other things. It just means that, you know, for this campaign, we're, we're, we're talking about this. And if we want to do something else, like, for example, you know, the CMO wants to hit 100,000 followers, fine, great. Okay, we can do that. <laughs> but with a separate stream of, of content and a separate kind of initiative that's self-contained, it's got its own budget, and it's not going to... We can't expect that to happen if we're over here running an engagement campaign, which is mm. kind of chasing different metrics. So I think yeah, right. just just getting alignment on, and clarity on that is actually where a lot of the times it falls down 
when agencies end up working with a client and then the client gets pissed off and they and they leave and it's just because there was never they never saw eye to eye on what the actual you know kind of goals were yeah never like that's probably the most important thing is to actually have have uh, the goal in place like because I imagine, you know, if you if a client's thinking they want ROI and you're like, oh, look, here's 100,000 followers. <laughs> They're like, I don't care. I've got their money. Um, so yeah. what, what kind of campaigns do you see? I don't know if you have access to this, um, but like what what do you see most? Like I, in my mind, clients are going to want to see ROI in actual dollars, which can be super hard to measure. But yeah, yeah. what do you see? Yeah. It can, and and you know, admittedly, uh, for again, for e-commerce brands, you've got that fantastic kind of dollars in, dollars out, you know, return on ad spend and, mm. and return on effort and all that kind of stuff. Uh, like in in terms of um, in terms of kind of like trends across different industries, it does it does differ. And the other thing is that there's different tactics that you can use to push certain metrics. So things like you know. If you've got a client who's super, who wants to superly, super aggressively kind of go after like the engagement rate, for example, just, uh, you know, a few tactics like running competitions. It's a, it's a very kind of simple and sometimes, you know, almost throwaway thing to say, but that, that is generally what works really well in the B2C world is just running comps. Uh, and, you know, that's not going to fit every brand, um, but like the good old comment, comment to win, like to win, <laughs> you know, all these kinds of things, which used to be, if we go back a few years ago, certain channels, uh, you know, disallowed, you know, th- those practices, but mm. that, they're all open now. So oh, you, wow. you can essentially run any kind of social metric or social mechanism as the entry mechanic uh, on, on a promotion. Um, so, yeah, generally the, these these kinds of um, comps, it, almost if you had kind of like a rolling comp, you see that a lot in retail, like retailers will just run monthly competitions all the time. And what that means is that they end up pushing engagement with with um, posts on a pretty progressive, in a pretty progressive way, which overall actually helps all their other posts because there's this really interesting halo effect that if you've got some posts that do very well, um, you know, the, to, to kind of dig into it is a topic called edge rank, which if anyone listening wants to dig into it, definitely check Google edge rank, but like it, it kind of takes into account your other performance as one of many, many signals. So if you've got certain posts that do well, that actually does help you with your kind of like drier posts, if you could call it that. Yeah, no, I get that. So yeah, those, those kinds of comps. And then as well, um, any kind of behaviors that you can elicit like friend tagging, uh, the the comments and not just like com- comments in Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, but like you know replies on Twitter, anything where you can where you can get people talking or reacting yeah. somehow beyond just a simple like is going to help a nice. lot. Like there's yeah. a really big difference there. I love the competition idea. I saw someone actually doing that recently um, with a. I, this is sort of not def- 100% related, but I just saw a really good idea with a competition where they. Um, they, there's a sale coming up. They, they have a sale. so they've actually done like a giveaway in the lead up to it, completely separately. So they're going to have everyone ready when the actual thing goes on sale. They've yeah. got everyone ready, and they can they can basically message all of them. So yeah, perfect. I thought that was a really good idea. Yeah. Um, do you like advocate for UTM parameters on social links? Like, is that a good way to? 
like for those listening, UTM parameters are where you basically put you just Google, you like Google UTM parameters. It's a way to put extra things on the end of a link um, that tell Google Analytics like this was the source of this traffic. And specifically, you can say the ad or the exact post that it came from. You could have a like a content UTM content parameter in there that says, you know, this traffic came from this specific post. Do you do like, do people do that with their clients? Is that advisable? Yeah, I, I really suggest it. And um, one thing that that I would also suggest is that they are unique, as you say, to the mm-hmm. post. It's really funny sometimes, um, you know, just because sometimes the people actually publishing or scheduling the post aren't 100% up to speed with how these UTM parameters work. And so they'll get, you know, for example, a, a link which has parameters on it, but it doesn't actually have the content parameters where you can identify the actual content. It just says like Facebook uh, and then the medium social and campaign, whatever, but it doesn't actually identify it. And then they use that link everywhere. And yeah. it's like, well, that's actually not how UTM works. It's, we've got to have a separate link um, for, for each individual post to be able to get down to that kind of like post level of tracking. Yeah. Um, and at the ad on the ad side, yeah, actually putting the ad ID. So, uh, it, it's dynamic. You can just put it in curly braces, two curly braces, ad.id, and then that will actually insert the ad ID into the UTM. Yeah, th- there's a, I kind of, I think if you just Google like dynamic um, link for Facebook ads or something, yes. like you'll be able to find a blog you'll post with it, it there. Because yes. yeah, yes. that way, like we, you do literally use the same link on every ad then because it automatically yes. injects it, the, the ad yeah. ID and everything, which is awesome. Cool. So what um like what's the best way to actually report all this to a client like is it a dashboard are you sending them reports like how do you once once you've got some you know metrics guiding like showing that you're hitting whatever the agreed goal was what's the best way to report them to clients yeah good good one this is a good question because like for agencies um what we've heard is that you know when you put a report in front of a client um that is kind of their first reference point a lot of the time. And so sometimes if you ask a client point blank, do you have a preference in reporting? They actually won't know unless you kind of show them something originally so uh, or initially. So definitely um, having this kind of like menu of options is really good for an agency. So having like a really short report, which might be like one page or two pages, having a more in-depth report as an option that goes to, you know, that actually spends time on each page breaking down the funnel and showing post performance, which might be 10 or even more pages. Um, Then this idea of more kind of like a dashboard that's live and it's in the browser and you can both kind of play around with it's interactive. These are all really um, options that should be shown up front so that you can then figure out with your stakeholders and clients, uh, you might also find as well in, in the room, you're going to have some stakeholders that really want the short sharp give me the top Mm. level and then those that want to get into the weeds so as an agency i feel that um you do need these different kinds of almost like report templates and report formats um that automatically sounds like a lot of work but the good thing is that you can automate all of that and Mm. i think that um the more that i know you're a fan of automation james I, (laughs) i think the more that you can like automate this kind of stuff the reporting side um the better because then you can focus on providing the kind of like narrative over the top that says, all right, here's what all of this means. And it, mm. and it also means that as an agency, you're like, you become quite indispensable because they might start getting kind of the reports on autopilot 
and that's all well and good. And I, I think that there's a missed opportunity for agencies who just end up just flicking reports and that's yeah. it. Like you've got to show that you're adding value over the top and then, then taking those kind of learnings from last quarter, last month, whatever, and applying them into here's what we're going to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the, the, the things that I've seen work really well for agencies that are more of like the kind of report, um, the report narrator. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking that when you were when you were talking, I was like, this just sounds like the perfect thing for like a quick loom video, you know, like yes. a couple of minutes, you know, especially yes. with the first one when I've never seen it before. This is like the introduction to the report, yeah, how yeah. to read it. Um, yeah. And then maybe in subsequent months, it's just like, here's what we're planning on doing with this data. This is, you know, quick little yeah. explanation. doesn't take long, adds a lot of value uh, to the, you know, to the contract, the relationship, you know, like yeah. it's more personal. It's like you said, it's not just bloody report flicking, which looks pretty bad. Yes. You know, exactly. like I, I've worked with agencies for SEO and stuff where I just get this like bland PDF that's automated from like SEM rush or something. And I'm just like, this is, there's no value in this to me. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as a client, it just makes you think, well, I can, I can, I could do this. Like I could just hit a button and export it. So why am I, yeah. what's, what are these guys doing for me? So I think it's yeah. easy to look at like the feature list of SEM, something like SEM rush and go, Oh, look, it can automate all this stuff. Um, therefore it's going to be a massive value add and everything's going to be done for me. Um, but no, like it's just, I mean, it is for some clients, I'm sure that's all they need, but I think the idea of two minute video, like literally yeah. doesn't take much time at all, but is serious um, improvement to the service. Um, Absolutely. I'm guessing that uh, social status can help with a lot of these different things like the dashboard and, and all that. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, you've got a basically an, an interactive and kind of like a live version of mm-hmm. social metrics. That's actually one thing that we really focused on heavily at the start was making sure that when you log in, it actually fetches, it starts fetching data in the background to make sure that what you're looking at is live. Um, right. There are some other solutions. There are a lot of social analytics, so it's actually good to like try a lot of them. But th- there's other solutions that kind of, um, snapshot in the past and show you their last snapshot, which might be might be sufficient. But for a lot of people logging in, they're generally after like uh, they're trying to answer a question that's happening now. Like, how is that post that I did last night going? Or yeah. you know what? Uh, how how is ad performance tracking on the campaign that just went live like a few few hours ago? So I think um, being able to see that performance live is really key. But then also. You know, we've got a reporting side of the tool where then you can go in, export PDF, PowerPoint, Google Slides reports and template them in different ways so that, because I think now we realise, um, didn't realise this at the start when we were creating social status, but now we realise, yeah, generally, say at a monthly report level, agencies will need to export different versions to suit different kind of client expectations and needs. And I think that for agencies to understand more about what what their immediate stakeholders want to see in terms of the format, the, the better, because some some just really want short and sharp and then yeah. others are at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. So how do you like talk to clients to show, like you, you managed, you, sorry, you mentioned expectations there, right? Like client mm-hmm. expectations. It just made me think of like when you're first starting a job and setting those goals, um, how do you know what to expect? Like, 
I know offline we talked about benchmarks before. Like, how do you suggest agencies create benchmarks? Like, is that something they should be doing so they can actually go to clients and go, well, that's not achievable. This is what's achievable. Yes, that's the way to do it, actually, is is to kind of create your own kind of like agency benchmarks. And that can be as simple as basically when you're onboarding a client, just looking back in time at the last you know quarter, few quarters, six months, whatever, at, of activity, then going, all right, here's the baseline. Now we understand like the average kind of engagement rate is 2.85% and it's been falling. Um, that's good to know because if the client wants 10% engagement rate, then that's going to be really quite hard if we're seeing this. Yeah. And then kind of competitively putting context around that as well, looking at the competitive um, metrics is uh, mm. side by side so that you can get to say, all right, well, here's where the industry is performing. And I think that sometimes we want to try to Google an industry average, but the problem with like industry averages in these kind of broad research studies is that they're too broad. And I think that you're an agency's client is going to have a really set of unique kind of influence, uh, sorry, competitors, or not even just competitors, like other brands that it wants to benchmark against that mm-hmm. then, you know, you, the agency can then uh, curate that competitor group and then go, all right, here's the average and here's what we can expect from yeah. uh, from a campaign that looks something like this. That I think makes the conversation much more like based on data rather than based on opinion, which when you've got opinions versus opinions, like really hard to win. When you're when you've got like the raw numbers, when you you're armed with a with a spreadsheet or whatever, like it's very hard to kind of argue against that. So um, that's that's a, a really kind of key thing that agencies should do is kind of almost create their own benchmarks in the industries where they service their clients, make them local or make them specific to to their client set, um, and also like continually. I underestimated this in, in agencies, like you're continually educating, like you're always reminding and kind of just like every report should almost be like an opportunity to either educate or reinforce what you're doing because it gets forgotten very easily or it's just confusing. Like there's like five different ways to calculate the engagement rate. Um, and, you know, in, an incumbent agency might be dividing by impressions, but you're dividing by reach or they might be taking all like it's just there are you can get really mixed mixed up mixed up in in all the metrics so i think um just i underestimated how much of a role as a strategist you are to also be an educator of your clients and just ensure that like constantly you're you're just getting them across the, the same facts as to what these metrics mean uh, and what we expect when we do certain posts, mm-hmm. um, because in in that that sense of like um, you know managing expectation, a lot of the times it's like almost taking a bit of a experimental approach to things and saying, all right, here's where we think the threshold might might be in terms of performance, especially if it's an ad campaign with a five hundred dollar budget, we can we can expect you know a range yeah. like this, and then if we double it, then that range goes up, that kind of thing. So. Uh, that's th- those tactics together, I think, can can help. Yeah. So so basically, creating your own set of benchmarks through working with clients, and and then you know doubling it with or combining it with competitor analysis, and just trying to come up with some level of benchmarks. So yeah. That, so what you yes. can reasonably expect. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. All right, Tim. Um, I think 
Uh, that has been a lot of information <laughs> for people to digest. So, uh, do you think there's anything you'd like to cover before we wrap this up? Um, no, I think that I think yeah. the the one the one thing I would I would say to marketers is just always you, you're perpetually testing. Like you never stop testing and try to try to ensure that your clients are are realizing that that's best practice. That's not just you just you don't know <laughs> what you're doing. That's best practice is testing. Yeah. So I just always keep that almost as like, like a recurrent theme in everything that you do and part of, and educate them yes it's all everything's beta you're always testing because <laughs> that is best practice absolutely all right tim um where can people go to check out social status yeah uh, socialstatus.io is the site mm-hmm. um i'm on twitter t- at tim hill 22 uh, I love, I, I, like you, uh, I've gotten back into Twitter recently and it's actually been really great, kind of the, yeah. the one-on-one conversations. I'm, I'm really enjoying that. So hit me up on Twitter um, and, and yeah, check out our site You can and, and you can also sign up for a, a free trial of social status. Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks, James. Pleasure. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, Content Snare can help you collect it on time and without enormous email trails. Give it a try at contentsnare.com.